Gareth Cliff basically re-voiced what the DA, John Steenhuisen, was saying. How he feels that the government doesn't understand what they're doing. And I know what all of us were thinking. Western Cape, you're in trouble. Good evening, my lovely people, and welcome to another episode of The Daily Dose with me, Dr. Suhail Esa. Yes, I've got the scrubs to match now. Yeah. So on today's episode, we're going to be discussing the big question that's on everyone's lips. Should we reopen or not? Everyone has their own opinion. Uh, some very biased, some very factual, some intellectual, and some just personal. You know, everyone has their own story and their own experience about the lockdown. I've taken down some notes, uh, things that I've seen on social media. So let's get down to it. So firstly, what do South Africans feel is the best thing to do? Everybody has their own opinion. Uh, as we've seen in the last two weeks or so, uh, a lot of those opinions have been expressed on social media, others with open letters to the president. But firstly, let's chat about the opposition to the ANC, uh, the DA, the Democratic Alliance. They... Uh, Speaker or Chief Whip or whoever he is, John Steenhuisen, the guy that loves roasting the ANC at every chance he has, he came out saying that he thinks that we should open the country as soon as possible. Like, just go back to normal, life must just continue. Uh, but to be fair, he's always rejected the lockdown since day one. He's thought that this is a bad idea, not a lot of information apparently to support that the lockdown will work. Um, and to be fair, as well to the ANC, the DA always opposes whatever they have to say. They don't really have their own ideas. They just sort of say, well, if the ANC wants to do it, I think we, we're going to go against it. Uh, you guys are going to lock down? Well, we say nine more lockdown. That's, that's just how it's got to go, hey? No lockdown. Uh, you guys want to... You guys want to reduce the taxes? Well, we even if it helps us as South Africans, I feel like the DA just doesn't matter. That does not, does not matter. And Sylvia, we want more water in the Western Cape. Now, we're actually quite happy with the drought, eh? We're, we're very, we're pleased with the drought. We actually think that less water is better for us as a country. Yeah. I, I, I just feel like the DA should come up with their own ideas. But a lot of people uh, align their views with the DA. They feel like we should just open up the country because of various reasons. I mean, we even saw a few weeks back that surfers went out to protest about not being able to surf. Wow. Because that's on the government's list of priorities. Look, obviously, I guess the police aren't you know, they, they don't use intuition and, and uh, you know, common sense. But at the same time, the government made a mandate and said, look, you're not allowed to gather in groups of two, three, however many people uh, it takes uh, to in your surfing group. And you're not allowed to be on the beach. It's that simple. If the government says you're not allowed to gather, it's for a specific reason. We, we've been through this before. Social distancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. But these surfers are like, well, look, we're on one surfboard, we're out in the ocean, we're by ourselves. 
And as you probably assumed correctly, they're all white. All the surfers that came out protesting on the beaches of Cape Town were all white. Because obviously when you're privileged and your privileges get taken away, you've got to cry about it. You've got to protest. I don't think they were there for fees must fall. I don't think they were there for any housing protests. But hey, when you take, when you take people's rights to surf in the ocean away, they then compare to apartheid. Yeah. Yeah. How? How? Because you're not allowed to surf. I, I just, I don't understand. I don't understand how a guideline that was set by the World Health Organization that our country is following is in line with apartheid. A system designed to discriminate based on race that forced people to live in specific areas that didn't allow them movement. Uh, and, 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 and let's be clear on something. Apartheid's motives is what's different b between now and the lockdown. Yes, you're not allowed to move freely now, but the motive behind apartheid was to diminish people's chances of growing in an economy that was only set for a specific minority of people in this country. And the motives behind the lockdown now is to preserve and improve the quality of people's livelihoods right now. And that same minority that was chosen previously uh, to be privileged over the majority of this country are now coming out and saying that it's just like apartheid. I don't know how you make that comparison. How? How? Like the privilege, it, it, it actually shocks me. Or actually, I'm not really shocked because this is what we can expect from the Karens and the, the Johns of this world. Of course, once your privilege is taken away, it's, it's, it's very painful for you. And even, even these surfers were, were, were aligning themselves with the DA's views. And, 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 and on top of that, they, they obviously were speaking about the cigarette ban, the alcohol ban, you know, how that's against their human rights. I'll get to that later. But the other person that, that really had a strong opinion about this, so strong that he wrote an open letter to the president, Gareth Cliff, our favorite radio personality who runs a uh, podcasting channel, Cliff Central, he actually wrote an open letter to the president. Now, let me be clear, this isn't his first lesson, uh, letter to the president, open letter. About 10 years ago, he wrote one to Zuma about the state of affairs of the country and you know how he's messing up, you know, usual. Uh, but again, Gareth Cliff basically revoiced what the DA, John Steenhazen, was saying. How he feels that the government doesn't understand what they're doing. They're incompetent. Uh, you know, initially praising them, uh, uh, the ANC in his letter, saying, you know, we initially thought you were doing a good job. You know, you, you're under a lot of pressure, a lot of scrutiny. We're all looking at you for guidance and we know it's a bit tough, but we think it's enough now and we need to reopen and the economy is crashing and a lot of things were mentioned. In the letter though, he says that many of us aren't afraid, I quote, I'm quoting here, many of us aren't afraid of the virus anymore. It's our health and we'll take our chances. Thank you. Who is the we? Who's we? Who's, who's this we that you say are not really scared of the virus anymore? 
Where, where do you have, do you have stats? Do you have a referendum? Did people vote? Did they send in requests on your podcast uh, to be a part of this we? Who is the we that's not scared of this virus anymore? Because I don't know who the we is. It's very confusing for me as a South African citizen. I don't know, are you talking about us as South Africans? Or perhaps you're talking about the middle class white South Africans or the privileged, predominantly white South Africans that have an issue with being under lockdown. Because to be fair, I don't think we aren't scared of this virus anymore. I personally now know people that have died from this virus. My neighbor back home in Durban, my ex-neighbor back home in Durban, actually died from complications of the coronavirus, COVID-19 disease. I know people that are scared of this virus. I know doctors that are scared. I know doctors that have gotten sick. I don't know personally anyone that's died, but I know of doctors and nurses in our country that have died from this. So who is the we that's not scared of this anymore? And we'll take our chances. Do you know how that reeks of privilege? We'll take our chances, the people that can afford medical aid, that can afford to go and, 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 and get private healthcare. Because you're the ones that are, that are going to be treated first. You know, once the lockdown is lifted, if, if the lockdown is immediately lifted, and let's be clear, Gareth Cliff was insinuating that this lockdown should be lifted immediately because of the economic circumstances that we fall under. Now, I know that there are very harsh economic circumstances that our country is facing right now. There are a lot of people that are hungry. There are a lot of people that are starving. But to say that we will take our chances means that those who can afford to take their chances now, once the lockdown is immediately lifted, they will be statistically. There are facts. There are hundreds of papers. And, and, and I'm, I'm willing, if anybody is interested, I'm willing to post and show you there are hundreds of papers written by professionals, professionals, intellectuals, that, that are virologists, epidemiologists, people that have studied this thing, are saying that this will, will cause a spike in the number of infections and people will require hospitalization and might die. So let's say, for example, the we that he's referring to, which is him and his friends, they will then get infected, possibly get infected, if it's them, or maybe it's the poor in this country, and they will then be able to afford to go and seek this health care, they will then get sick, possibly be allowed to have a ventilator, because for now the government hasn't uh, nationalized any of the private hospitals yet. So those ventilators are just for people who can afford them. So him and his friend, they'll go on, they'll get it, uh, be able to be treated and hopefully be at home uh, before next week, Tuesday. But what about the rest of South Africa, the ones that don't really have a choice, who, yes, would love to go back to work and earn however much money they could, hand-to-mouth, daily wages. I get it. I do understand. But that we that he's talking about is not the we that he's claiming to fight for. In his same letter, he talked about, the you know, it's impractical for family, uh, to be living cramped in an informal settlement in a shack in Soweto and this and that. And, you know, it's not, it's not actually uh, uh, practical for these people to implement social distancing in townships and in squatter camps and uh, in these rural areas. Where was this energy before the lockdown? 
I don't understand. It's not as though Gareth Cliff has been championing social justice causes for the poor or for the needy or for the hungry. So since when does he care about whether the poor are suffering under the lockdown or not? So maybe it's not about it's not about the poor. This we that he is referring to is him and his other friends, his other rich, privileged friends who can afford this lockdown, who have no issue, who can afford, sorry, rather not afford the lockdown, but can, can afford health care for now until the government decides they have to nationalize it and they have to take over ventilators and, and the like. You know, and I don't know who, who is going to pay for, the ch for these chances. We're going to take our chances with the lockdown. Who's going to pay for these chances? Because the government this entire time, and, and, and Gary Cliff did say it, I'll, 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 I'll quote another thing that he said. He said in his, in his open letter, the lockdown was implemented to prepare our healthcare system, and I think we're ready. And, and he reiterated this in an interview that he had with Reedy Klaubi from 702. Uh, it's a very, very interesting interview that he had with a professor of sociology, I think, who really, the professor, his name is Jamil Khan. He was not prepared for Gareth Cliff. Look, they had a debate. It seemed very clear that Gareth Cliff won that debate. If, if you want, I'll post the link. Um, but neither of them actually, although he won the debate, neither of them actually came with facts. Because Gareth Cliff kept saying, you know, Economists that are more qualified than me have said this is going to be devastating for years to come for our economy and we've had already such a huge loss in our GDP. All right, cool, bro. Cool. Where's your, where's your stats? What, what actual figures? Who are you quoting? Who are these specialists? Who are these economists that are saying this? Because the last time I checked, the same president you wrote a letter to has a panel of specialists that all sit around the table. It's not as though one economist is sitting in, in, in his home writing a, a letter about how he feels the economy is crashing. No, no, no. And, and, and on the other hand, in, in, in some, some other province, there's a virologist or epidemiologist or specialist on, on this subject from the medical field is writing his own paper saying how devastating the healthcare effects are going to be. He's not sitting there isolated. But, Silver Ramaphosa currently has a team of virologists, epidemiologists, economists. He's a business tycoon himself. So reopening the, the country would be completely in his best interest. But he's sitting at a table with a group of specialists going, how best can we avoid people dying at the expense of COVID versus dying from starvation, hunger, and from a lockdown that will continue? And... These specialists are sitting across the table from each other, economists, virologists, arguing and battling it out and finally coming to some sort of compromise or conclusion. Silver Ramaphosa came up with a risk-adjusted strategy, meaning he will assess how much the cases are rising as we lift the lockdown to determine whether we can continue lifting the lockdown or we will then completely stop the lockdown, uh, go back to level five, not go down a level. That's how he planned his strategy.
Now, the other thing that a lot of people that believe that we should just immediately lift the lockdown don't understand is that you cannot compare us to any other country in the world. We can use some of their information and some of their data to sort of understand the virus, but for the most part, we've got to just use what we can right here, right now. South Africa has the highest vulnerable population in the world, in my opinion. About 2.5 million South Africans are HIV positive and not on ARVs. I didn't say HIV positive on ARVs, that's an even higher number. Now, let's say even those patients above the, that 2.5 million mark, right? The 2.5 million mark, uh, which is our most recent statistics by StatsSA, that says that you know, 2.5 million people are probably HIV positive and have not even been put on ARVs yet. Those people are at risk of being infected. Once they inf get infected, there are studies coming out of China, America, Italy, UK, who have been struck by the virus much earlier than we have, and so therefore they have much more time and studies conducted uh, you know, to determine how bad this disease really can be. And in, in, in a review of all of their studies, what I have found is that with, with immunocompromised people, you can get sick much more severely, you can then be sick for much longer, and even once you get better, you are still able to infect people in your community for much longer periods of time than a regular pe person like me or, or an average, uh, or I say average, but not average really South African middle-class person who doesn't have HIV could potentially infect other people. So HIV is the one issue. People forget that the government is, is trying to regulate our entire burden of disease. We've got non-communicable diseases, meaning diseases you can't spread, like um, diabetes and hypertension, which is actually the biggest killer in our country above all. Non-communicable diseases, diseases kill more South Africans and the complications from them actually kill more South Africans. You know, and in, in, this, in the same interview, Gareth Cliff mentions, oh, you know, you know, the, we know from, from other countries that this virus attacks the vulnerable, which is old people and uh, the fat people and uh, immunocompromised people. So he even realizes himself that what he is saying is yeah, fat people, people that are affected by diabetes and possibly high hypertension fall within that category. We have some of the highest obesity rates in our country. Sounds strange, right? Because a lot of our country starve and then a lot of our country eats too much and then develop these diseases that require them to be hospitalized. They get gangrene of their feet. They need it to be chopped up. So we're dealing with all of these issues, right? Plus HIV, plus TB. Now we've got COVID on top of that. So the government is saying, yes, we get it. You guys think that COVID is not going to kill you and it's not that bad statistically. But when you've got so many other problems going on right now, and another thing comes into it that'll kill all of those people that we're already trying to treat, what do you think is going to happen in our country? We're going to lose a large proportion of our workforce. These HIV-positive, diabetic, TB uh, patients, they're not old people, they're young. They're like between you know, 25 to 40, which is part of our work workforce which we need. You kill our workforce, who is going to work in our shops? 
Who's going to restart this economy that you're trying to save? You need to save the people before you save the economy. That's my opinion. And I think that by reopening in this phased manner, it's the best way to do it. Ideally, I would love to say, hey, open this country much quicker. I would like that too. I would like things to get back to normal as well. But am I a specialist? Am I, am I sitting at a table with 10 different people from different fields, economists, virologists, people from health, specialists on each and every field and debating and arguing and deciding what's the best? No, I'm not. And neither are radio presenters from the 2000s. So why would this man share his bigoted opinion? Anyway, let's, let's get down to our final point. Silo Ramaphosa gave a speech about half an hour ago, a little bit de delayed and later than, than normal, but you know, that's expected. He, he's a busy man. And he basically said, look, they've done a lot of things so far. He apologizes for all the contradictions, but now what he's uh, saying is by the end of this month, we're going to all go down to level three, except for certain areas that don't get their act together. So basically places which are known as hot zones, where there's a lot of infections and a spike of infections. And in those areas, he's going to try and discuss with his team whether or not to decrease the level to three or keep it at level four. And I know what all of us were thinking. Western Cape, you're in trouble. Yeah? So let's just clarify what happens at level three. So basically, a lot more of our retail stores will open a lot more things will be able to be sold at these retail stores. Uh, on top of that, alcohol sales are permitted under level three. Now we know that up until this point, alcohol has been prohibited because statistically, and I don't know why the government hasn't just shared this information, but statistically we as doctors know, uh, just anecdotally, but also the statistics show that the more alcohol people drink, the more likely they become to be inflicted or to inflict trauma upon others. Our emergency units, 80% of the cases that walk through emergency units, are filled with alcohol-related trauma. All of them are over the limit. They either get in car accidents, fights, whatever it is, stabs, shoots, they become vulnerable, robbers rob them. You know, all these things happen when you put alcohol in the mix. I work in the emergency units. I'm telling you, it's empty, it's quiet. We've reduced the number of doctors on shift because of how quiet it is. Just because all of you South Africans are not drinking. That's it, That's simple. How amazing, Cyril, thank you. In fact, over the Easter weekend, by doing the lockdown over the Easter weekend, we are the only country in the world that had a positive death rate from a lockdown. We saved lives more than we would have normally because last year 400 people died over the easter weekend from drunk driving killing each other stabbing each other family fights you name it but because of the lockdown and ban of alcohol sales guess what only about 20 people died over that weekend that is crazy crazy now under the lockdown level three restrictions you will be permitted to purchase alcohol between 8 a.m to 12 a.m so you just quickly go in and out to the bottle store get your ship and go um you're allowed to you know retail stores will be open cigarettes will still most likely be banned under that level something i don't agree with uh there is evidence to show and i have posted this on uh, my instagram before and facebook before 
There is evidence, there is studies shown that the receptor, look, it's very complicated, but basically there's a receptor that, that the COVID disease binds to, right? It binds to the specific uh, something in your lung, okay? It's a little thingy, a knob. The COVID comes, goes whack, lands there and sticks and replicates, multiplies, multiplies, multiplies. Now, when you smoke, it's, it's known to increase the number of those little knobs in your lung that the COVID can bind to. So you're more likely to be infected. And then in the, in the Western countries that they've done studies on, you're more likely to require a ventilator if you are a smoker and less likely if you're a non-smoker. The government, I guess, is trying to discourage people from smoking or force them because after 21 days, technically, you can break a habit. So force them to stop smoking and quit. Now, the downside to that is it opens